Welcome to Go Ask Alley, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. I'm a sniper. I'm admitting it. Oh, you're a sniper. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fact that you don't keep your mouth shut is what's so great about you. Well, thank you. Truly. And will you tell that to my husband? <laughs> if you can shine as you go into death, you can shine as you go into middle age, right? Yeah. Like, why not start now? I'm going to enjoy my life. At the end of the day, I'm just a little particle on an asteroid flying through space. So Exactly. Yeah. You got it. We're just a speck. We're specs. Welcome to Go Ask Alley. I'm Allie Wentworth, and this season I'm just digging into everything. Everything I can get my hands on, I'm peeling back the layers and getting dirty. Speaking of getting dirty, you know, in my mom's day, the word menopause like masturbation, was a dark and dirty word. And now I think we're starting to become a lot more evolved. And women are talking more about menopause and women's reproductive health. And we'll be talking about menopause, perimenopause, vaginas, dry vaginas, all kinds of vaginas. You know, I had my ovaries taken out a few years ago because I had this enormous cyst the size of a small pink grapefruit. And I was a little nervous about it, as anyone would be. And the surgery went fine. But afterwards, I was thrown into menopause. I don't think women are ever really educated about what happens to them because I came out of my surgery fog only to be incredibly weepy, cloudy-headed. I was a bitch. And it turns out, I was in full-blown menopause and just didn't know it. And so I had to do a real deep dive to understand just what was happening to me. And I think that there's a lot of confusion about menopause, which is why we should be talking about it a lot more, starting right now with my two amazing guests. Sally Mueller. She's a founder and CEO of Womanness. After working over two decades in retail marketing and brand innovation, she transferred her expertise to create womanness in order to change the conversation around menopause through innovative products. I'm going to give you a quick spoiler alert. There's a vibrator the size of a lipstick. Continue. Womanness also provides much needed advice and support from an inspired community of women who exude menopositivity. I love that word. A dynamic, joyful outlook that embraces women throughout their lives. Also joining me is Dr. Ekta Kapoor. She is a board-certified endocrinologist, a menopause specialist, and is the Associate Director of Mayo Clinic Center to Women's Health in Minnesota. She has a strong research focus in menopause and hormone therapy and is recognized as an institutional and national expert and leader in menopause. Dr. Kapoor speaks at national meetings and has published extensively in the field. She also serves on the editorial board of the journal Menopause from the North American Menopause Society. I mean, we should have a drinking game. Every time I say menopause, you have to take a drink. And... I want to thank my guests for being here, especially Dr. Kapoor, who joined us even in the midst of a COVID contamination, and she's talking to us through two masks. Welcome, Ekta and Sally. I'm I'm actually very excited about having this conversation with you for a number of reasons. One is I don't think we as women talk about it enough. And certainly I was speaking earlier about how when I was younger with my mother, I don't think my mother ever talked about it. 
certainly not with her friends. And I feel like right now, that's all I talk about with my friends. It used to be when when we were younger, it was we talked about sex. <laughs> now we talk about menopause. We're constantly checking in with each other. How are you feeling? What are your symptoms? You know, it's and a lot of it is us just not knowing where we should know. We should know everything about it. And I shouldn't be calling my friends and saying, is this happening? I mean, it's sort of like COVID. It's like, are these the right symptoms? So first, Ekta, explain to us the perimenopause phase going into the menopause phase and what's happening to our bodies. Well, thank you for that great question, Ali. I want to start off by congratulating you that you are having these conversations with your friends. So kudos. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> so I am glad you ladies are talking amongst yourselves because this is a recurring theme. I hear it from my patients. Every time we do some sort of a research study where we survey participants asking, what they know about menopause, this is sort of a universal response that I get, that women don't know enough about it, and no one talks about it, period. Even in 2022, that remains an issue. So I am glad you are speaking to your friends and learning that way. Granted, it is less than ideal, but it's it's a start. <laughs> because my friends are not very educated on it, so they probably aren't the people I should be talking to. Yes, I agree with that. <laughs> well, it's a great first step, though, because, you know, again, research has shown us that people who are investigating about things, people who are talking about things are more likely to do something about changing it or fixing it. If you don't discuss it, it doesn't exist, right? And nothing's ever going to change. That's exactly right. So having that conversation, very important. So now to answer your question, peri, you know, as the name suggests, peri means around. So perimenopause is that period around menopause. So the years leading into menopause and then one year after menopause. Usually a woman is sort of having those irregular periods leading up to menopause for three to four years, but it can be longer than that. So then the obvious question is, what is menopause? So menopause is that permanent cessation, stopping of ovarian function. So two things come with it, right? They're kind of obvious. One is loss of fertility. When we are in menopause, can't have babies anymore. But we can during perimenopause, right? Absolutely can. Yeah. And that's, again, a myth that, you know, the fertility is absent in that period, but you can. And the second, which actually for a woman's health is more important, is loss of those ovarian hormones. Most importantly, estrogen, which has long-term consequences. And that's why our health changes significantly after menopause. So then the question is, why make a big deal about perimenopause? Why does it even matter? Well, it matters for several reasons. Number one, a lot of women will experience very prominent symptoms of menopause during this phase. So the notorious hot flashes, night sweats, sleeping problems, mood problems, memory problems, which you know commonly women refer to as the brain fog state, mm -hmm. those are oftentimes most prominent during perimenopause. And for a lot of patients, for a lot of women, they get better with passing time. The second thing, Ali, is 
that this is a time when a woman's health is changing in very, very significant ways. Her heart health, her weight is changing. Where she carries her body fat is changing. So a lot of the times I hear my patients telling me that the fat is shifting to the belly area. And no one likes that, right? It's not just a cosmetic concern. Not only do we not like it, we can't get rid of it. Why can't we get rid of it? Why? Ecta. <laughs> I wish I had answers for you. It's purely an effect of lack of estrogen. And you know, it's not just the cosmetic piece, Ali. It's the long-term consequences of having that belly fat. It increases your risk for diabetes, high blood pressure, heart disease, etc. So perimenopause is that critical window, if you will, where women really need to be educated about these changes and the steps they should be taking for preventing and fixing. So Attention to lifestyle matters more than ever. Maintaining that normal weight and really, really striving for it matters more than ever. So that's why as physicians, we look at it as a critical window of opportunity for counseling patients and telling them what lies ahead of them and what they can do to prevent those things from happening. Now, how does estrogen affect our body? Because a lot of times when we go to our doctors, you know, our doctors just say like, oh, your estrogen is low. Let me let me give you this. But I don't even know why I'm taking it. I don't know what it's doing. So tell me a little bit about that, except for the fact that it, somebody once said it will make your hair shiny again. <laughs> you know, yeah, of course, that matters to us that it makes our skin better. It makes our hair better. Mm-hmm. But there are so many other bigger things that estrogen does for us. Let me start off by giving you the example of the woman who goes through early menopause, premature menopause. So, you know, premature menopause, Ali, is when a woman goes through menopause prior to the age of 40 years. And that could be for any reason. She may have had chemotherapy that knocked out her ovaries. She may have had radiation which damaged the ovaries or somebody took both her ovaries out. But anyhow, for one reason or the other, she loses her estrogen prematurely prior to the age of 40. Now, very well-conducted research has shown us that such women are at a higher risk for a host of medical conditions. It's a very long list, Ali. Heart disease, diabetes, dementia, osteoporosis, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. So that just tells you what a wonderful hormone estrogen is. A lot of bad things happen when a woman loses her estrogen prematurely before she's supposed to naturally at menopause at about the age of 50 or 51. Now, the question arises, okay, what about the woman who goes through natural menopause? So, you know, her ovaries stop functioning at the age of 50 or 51. How does the lack of estrogen affect her? Well, there too, we see a lot of important health changes. To give you one example, heart disease. The risk of heart disease in a woman prior to menopause is very low, much lower than that of a man. After menopause, that risk goes up so significantly that we even leave men behind. The risk for heart disease goes up substantially to the point that heart disease is the number one killer for women in this country. Similarly, again, diabetes, high blood pressure, dementia, osteoporosis. So a lot of important health changes happen, some of which are preventable, some not so preventable. But then again, you know, it's good to know what lies ahead of you, what the road will bring to you. So you can Take your best steps to prevent things from happening. My problem is that women just enter menopause not knowing 
what it will bring, Mm -hmm. leave alone how to take care of those issues. I mean, they don't even know. I have had physicians sitting in my office. Then they come in as patients. They're having very blatant symptoms of menopause and they're wondering why this is happening. So can you imagine? It's interesting because when you're a teenage girl and you have cramps or you're crying or you, you know, scream at your mom, we all know what's happening. It's like, oh, we just menstruated. I know what this is. But you get into the menopause phase and suddenly it's it's no one knows what's going on. It's a whole uncharted terrain. But Sally, something that I hear all the time from my women friends, women that had really healthy sex lives are suddenly saying, it's really painful to have sex. Yeah. My vagina is dry. So talk to me a little about that, because that seems to be one of the glaring issues, because when you're significant other and you are fooling around, it's it's painful. Yeah. And it, that scares women more than any statistic. I know. And it's it just happens. It seems like it happens overnight, you know, from my own personal experience. It really does happen quickly. Yes. And again, the drop of estrogen. I mean, your skin changes all over your body, not just your facial skin, every ounce of skin on your body, even your vaginal skin. And a lot of women don't understand that vaginal dryness that sets in is related to menopause. They just think maybe they're getting old or they're, you know, they're just not capable anymore of having sex. And um, that was my, actually my own personal experience around vaginal dryness was the impetus behind starting WomanS because I had that symptom And I actually met with one of Dr. Kapoor's colleagues at the Mayo Clinic. She was very helpful in making me not feel like I was doing something wrong or I was alone. And she recommended some products, but many products that were sounding like they were created by men or they weren't modern in their approach. And probably not holistic or, you know, safe. Exactly. Not made with clean formulations for the most part. Mm -hmm. And that was a big aha moment for me of why isn't someone tackling this space? And then once I started really digging into it, I realized, my my gosh, there's 50 million women going through menopause in the U.S. alone. And these are women like all of us that Absolutely. are living much longer. And it's it's funny because I was doing a little bit of research before. And, you know, back in the day when you reached menopause, it was like, oh, well, now there's complete atrophy sexually. Like right. it's over. In fact, right. the word spinster used to be used not only for an unmarried woman, but a spinster was also a slang word for somebody who was no longer able to reproduce. So Right. You know, that's, I think, a huge narrative that needs to be broken, too. Oh, absolutely. That at a certain age, when you hit menopause, then you're kind of irrelevant sexually. Yeah. And it's even so much more than the sex piece of it, right? I think there's been so much stigma around menopause. And once you hit menopause, you're not giving society anything because you can't reproduce anymore. Right. It's the sexual piece. It's the productivity piece. Women are not invisible. They are at this stage, the most productive. We are the most creative. We are the most wise. We have so much to give back. And I, I really think it's a revolution that's starting and it's, it's incredible. I mean, I think there's just so much conversation right now about this woman and how much she is valuable to society. 
you know, may I just reiterate what you just said, Sally, because I think that's a very powerful statement and we cannot really overstate that because to your point also, Ali, that with the increase in life expectancy, women are spending one third of their lives in menopause. Can you imagine that's that's a huge chunk of their lives? And exactly mm-hmm. as Sally said, this is the time when they are the wisest, they are financially in a stable situation. Mm-hmm. Life-wise, many of us are in a more stable situation, most productive. So gone are the times when we should be viewing menopause as that phase in a woman's life when we can consider her gone, when we can consider her insignificant. Mm -hmm. I think it is the phase when a woman can be very productive as long as her health issues and symptoms that are in her Mm -hmm. way are taken care of. Mm -hmm. Again, to Sally's point about vaginal dryness, women do not often put two and two together, Mm -hmm. that this is because of menopause. And they come to our clinics feeling guilty. That is the word. They come in feeling guilty that they are doing something wrong. And this is just in their heads, if you will. So again, that's why there is so much power in educating women, because when they leave our offices, they'll leave empowered that, okay, this is not in my head. I'm not making this up. And they've been told so many times to their faces by their providers, friends, family members, how these symptoms can be ignored. Such wrong messaging out there. Yeah. I mean, I would say certainly the exterior stuff, you know, makes women feel, oh, I'm old, I'm aging, I'm again, irrelevant. But the the sexual aspect I find fascinating because I, I've had friends say to me, oh, I guess I'm just not into him anymore. Yeah. You know, my vagina is so dry. Or in my case, I've been married for 20 years, still very, very hot for my husband. And I started to feel like, well, wait a second. How did I end up? Why am I not as vibrant as he is, you know, sexually when we've always been incredibly compatible and I still, you know, my heart still skips a beat when he comes in the room. You know, why is this happening? And so I feel like women with no education about it assume they're not into them. Yeah, absolutely. They've shut down. And I've known marriages that have kind of fallen apart because they really hadn't focused on this piece of it. And it's time for a short break. And we're back. Okay, so let's go through the things that will help all of us women. First of all, what can I do to prepare for it? Are there certain things I can do to make that sort of path into menopause a little bit easier for myself? Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, it's really becoming educated about the symptoms Mm -hmm. and not every woman has the same menopause experience, right? And I think it's making sure you have a doctor lined up that is actually going to listen to you and give you good advice and information. You know, so many women say they don't even know where to go. They don't have like their OBGYN that delivered their child is not the doctor that's going to help them in menopause. So it's super important to find that doctor support because you're ultimately going to need the right medical advice as well. Even if you don't have severe symptoms, I still think having a doctor through this journey is super important. So Ali, you made a very nice statement when you said that, you know, when adolescents are having issues at home, we know that they are having hormonal (laughs) changes because of their cycle. How come we don't have something similar from menopause? So I exactly feel that way. So 
I have been a big proponent of this concept that, you know, how in middle school and late elementary school, girls get education about how their bodies are about to change. And that's part of their curriculum at school. I am an advocate and a proponent for menopause education. Mm -hmm. And we don't wait till a woman hits menopause or she is postmenopausal. We do it early on. And the forum could be anything. These could be newsletters. Mm -hmm. These could be companies like Womaness who are holding parties for these younger women or what have you, podcasts. But the idea being that we catch women at a younger age. And I was at one such party, you know, that was hosted by Sally's company. And it was encouraging to see how many young women were there Mm -hmm. and they were willing to learn about menopause. I mean, not putting it off like, oh, this is something for the future. I'm not going to be listening to this stuff. But they were very engaged. So I think women do want to learn about their health and what they can do. You know, we otherwise behave as such powerful individuals. We're making decisions for the family. And when it comes this time, things almost change and women start behaving a little helpless. And again, that stems from lack of knowledge and the ambivalence about menopause. That Okay, I have symptoms. These could be due to menopause. But I wonder if we can even do anything about it. Why can't we teach that in middle school as well? If we're talking about full cycles of what happens with our human bodies, they should actually do the full spectrum then. Yeah, absolutely. I would very much love that. That's my point that, you know, when you're talking about this, it's time for the menu talk. We got to give that talk early on also. <laughs> Need to know what the road ahead looks like. Yeah. You know, every time we see a research study or we see a statistic that women are not being adequately treated for menopause symptoms, and that, by the way, is a theme, mm-hmm. women are really, really undertreated for their menopause symptoms. So, you know, I get asked this question a lot. Whom should we be educating? Should we be educating the providers that this is how they need to be managing menopause symptoms? To that, my response always is that it'll be much of an uphill task to educate providers. You know, a young woman is having both her ovaries taken out. She should be getting extensive counseling about what the landscape is going to be like, you know, Mm -hmm. let alone, I mean, talking to her about management, but at least she deserves to know Mm -hmm. as to how her life is about to change. So we we owe it to our patients and we're not doing a good enough job of that. And we sincerely hope for that to change in the coming years. So, you know, I think we will get get better bang for the buck if we educate our women, if we educate our patients and empower them, just the way Sally said, so they can be going to their providers and saying, hey, I think I'm in perimenopause or I'm postmenopausal. These are my symptoms. This is how I think I want to treat them. How can you help me? Rather than going to their provider with that ambivalence, we did a recent survey here at the clinic where... They were all afraid of using hormone therapy, and they did not know about other beneficial effects of hormone therapy. Most of them had the perception that menopause symptoms were something they were just supposed to live with or put up with. So that's the message we want to bring. So education, knowing your options, and going to your provider ready to discuss what is it that you want, rather than relying on them to tell you what you should be doing. I have to say, I 
talking to my girlfriends, that's exactly what we've all done. We've gone to our provider and gone, I don't Mm -hmm. know, what do I do? And, you know, one friend is put on some hormone thing where every few hours she does these drops and then another one is getting a shot. And, you know, somebody, everybody's been given these different things, but we don't walk into the office with the education and the power. Mm -hmm. You know, we do it with everything else. We say, I'd like a C-section. I'd like a vaginal birth. Exactly. We don't walk in and talk about menopause like it's our right. Yeah, exactly. And that's because of the cultural messaging that we have got, right? The mixed Mm -hmm. messaging. This is something that is to be kept under the wraps. Mm -hmm. This is something that no one can do anything about. These are insignificant symptoms. Let's talk about real medical issues. So these are the messages that patients have heard over and over again. So they're almost embarrassed to bring them up. Leave alone discussions about sexual function, which, you know, are taboo for most patients, even in this day and age. So I think that has to be the universal messaging to patients. And Sally and her team are doing a great job, and many others are, you know, reaching out to the masses Mm -hmm. and telling them that it's time to talk about it, Mm -hmm. just the way you are, Ali, with your friends. (laughs) So Sally, tell me, how are you messaging the idea of all of us talking and educating ourselves about menopause? I mean, just the way we're modernizing menopause, you know, the language we use, we don't believe in the pause. So we really, (laughs) at Woman S, I mean, we really want to encourage and step up women and give them the support. And a lot of it is back to the education, providing the information. We're really trying to hit the topics that we think women are most needed to be informed about premature menopause, HRT, menopause 101. So we have a blog on our site where we're housing all that information. We're also tapping in experts like Dr. Kapoor and several others, whether it's around sleep or sexual wellness, different areas of menopause that are top of mind for women. Um, In community, we have a, a private Facebook group that we started called the after party because the after party is more fun than the actual party. <laughs> and that's a safe place where women can interact with each other, ask questions. You know, our experts will answer questions as well. So we're just trying to create a platform for women to connect with other women. Because as you said at the beginning, Allie, you know, my mom never went through menopause, wink, wink. You know, we can't go to our moms and ask for advice. So we have to really leverage our friend group and, you know, other women. Yeah, I was going to say for my mother, it was grin and bear it. You know what I mean? Like, don't talk about it. Don't do anything about it. Exactly. And I have two teenage daughters. And before I went through menopause, I made jokes about it. You know, I'd say like, you know, well, you're menopausal mom. And now I'm like, oh, I have to I need to change how I message it, too, because I have, you know, these young girls that at some point will go through it. And also I also was it was very important to me that they see me going to doctors and taking control of it. So um, and so do you think the messaging is first sort of changing how we look at menopause? Absolutely. So much of it is even the imagery, the the women that we show in our in our advertising. I mean, that need to be reinvented. So we've really showed like women in their 40s and 50s and 60s that look awesome and sexy and vibrant from all walks of life. And um, the voice of of our brand is really cool and modern. I mean, yeah. this woman is cool. She's, you know, 
women going through menopause now, we're like the first generation that was on the internet and on social media, on Facebook. So we are mm-hmm. pioneers. We're pioneering this. Mm-hmm. We're the generation that's really going to change the conversation. And I have so many younger employees on my team that are so excited about what we're doing. They want to look forward to aging. They want to know they can go through menopause smoothly. The younger generation wants to look up to all of us to set an example because they want it to change too. Yeah. We'll be right back. Great. Let's get back to it. So, Sally, how do you feel about hormone therapy for women or the different estrogen and even testosterone therapies that are available now? Do you support it? Um, both Dr. Kapoor and I support it. Mm-hmm. And Womanist believes that HRT can be a very good option. Our products are estrogen free. And that's because we want it to be safe for all women. Because if a woman's gone through breast cancer, she can't probably be taking estrogen. Mm -hmm. And so our products are all very, very clean formulations, but we are proponents of HRT because it can be such a healthy alternative. And I'll let Dr. Kapoor talk a little bit more about HRT. So hormone therapy, now I am a believer in estrogen. It is the best thing for the right patient. So what I mean by that is, and this is sort of my consistent messaging to patients, my default mode is to use hormone therapy for patients who are having symptoms for menopause. So I'm looking for reasons to put women on hormone therapy. It is the most effective treatment for menopause symptoms, meaning hot flashes, night sweats, sleeping problems. Sleep is a big topic with my friends. Yeah. And what happens is you get into this bad cycle of insomnia where there's not anything particularly stressful, like the normal sort of COVID life stuff. And, you know, the next thing you know, your doctor's giving you Xanax because you can't sleep and then you're addicted to Xanax. I mean, like you can really go down a bunch of dark roads if you're not handling this in the right way. Absolutely. Sleep is very interesting because it can be impacted after menopause via multiple mechanisms. So it could be because a woman is having night sweats, keeps her from sleeping. Mm -hmm. Women often have mood problems around perimenopause. That could be impacting their sleep. And independent of these, lack of estrogen directly impacts sleep. So can you imagine there are so many hits on sleep due to menopause? Mm -hmm. And this is one of the very common complaints. So hormone therapy helps that. Hormone therapy helps mood also, cognition, all of these. So a woman who comes to my office is having very bothersome menopause symptoms, and there is no reason why I couldn't use estrogen. I can speak to that here in a minute. Then estrogen is my go-to. The reason why I particularly like to treat patients, even those who are having mild to moderate symptoms, are because of the long-term benefits of hormone therapy. For that young postmenopausal woman, meaning a woman who is within 10 years of natural menopause, younger than the age of 60, I think the data are very convincing that hormone therapy reduces the risk of heart disease. And even if it doesn't reduce, it does not increase it for sure. It definitely reduces the risk of diabetes substantially. 
It reduces the risk of high cholesterol. And again, very, very convincing data is hold your breath. Hormone therapy in that young patient reduces the risk of dying from all causes put together. Even cancer. Wow. All cause mortality. I didn't know that. Yeah. No other intervention known to man does that for a woman. Wow. That reducing her risk of dying from any cause. Hormone therapy for that young patient prior to the age of 60 years has all these beneficial effects. So even if she's having some mild to moderate symptoms, my default is to try hormones for these very benefits. Mm-hmm. So I'm a believer. But then the question arises, who is the patient who cannot be on hormone therapy? As Sally alluded to, breast cancer survivors. More often Mm -hmm. than not, can't use it for them. Other estrogen-sensitive cancers, undiagnosed vaginal bleeding, previous stroke, previous heart attack, those would be conditions. But as you can imagine, these patients in the community are a minority. Mm-hmm. Majority of them would qualify for hormone therapy and hormone therapy should absolutely be discussed. If someone's mom had breast cancer at 70, that is not a reason why I would avoid hormone therapy for a patient. Mm-hmm. But if she tells me two of her sisters have had breast cancer in their 30s or early 40s, then I might stop and think, But then, you know, even then, it's not a hard stop. But a patient who's personally had breast cancer, then I will use non-hormonal prescription options if the symptoms are severe. And those usually belong to the category of antidepressants. So antidepressants used for hot flashes and night sweats, these are medications belonging to that class, but they are not for treating depression as such. So, you know, this was Mm -hmm. like a serendipitous discovery, if you will, that women in the community who were using antidepressants, let's say, for treatment of depression or anxiety, They were uh, reporting improvement in their hot flashes and night sweats. And then they did clinical trials and proved it that, yes, these medications are efficacious. So if we use medications in the class of antidepressants, it's not to treat depression. It is still to treat hot flashes and night sweats for which these medications work. Because, you know, the circuits in our brain are very complicated. The circuits with sort of the neurotransmitters control mood, some of those are shared ones with the ones that cause hot flashes. So it is a dual action, if you will, not targeting mood per se. So my messaging to patients is that they go to their provider empowered with this information and then they say, I think I want to be on hormones. What do you think about it? Something like that, you know, that's how the discussion should go rather than uh, I don't know what I should do about my symptoms. You know? Yeah, I agree. And and Sally, with your after parties and such, you've sort of created products to help women going through this particular time, but you've created a lot of different things. And tell me why you created them. And and is this because the need from women was so loud in your ears? Absolutely. And the product that was out there was really relegated to the dusty bottom shelf yes. <laughs> at retailers, right? I mean, it was yep. with not necessarily clean formulations. So the whole category needed to be modernized and created. I mean, we've really created a whole new category called menopausal solutions. It's it's a combination of supplements, it's skincare, because obviously your skin changes all over your body. 
and sexual wellness products. So those are really the three categories that we've addressed, but all the products are built around these symptoms that you go through. Like one of our supplements is called Menopause. It's all about night sweats and hot flashes. It's a really effective, clinically proven set of ingredients. It's funny. I, you know, I wouldn't think to go to a store or go on the internet and buy products to deal with menopause. That's just my lack of education. We are we like to say kind of like the first line of defense. We're the first brand that you can go to when you're thinking that you might be in perimenopause. And it's interesting because we we see about 20% of our customers on our site are in their 30s and early 40s. It's amazing. So that just shows you that there is a lot of interest. There's a need out there and it spans many decades. It's young and it goes all the way post 60 into the 70s. So I can I can give them to my daughters, my sisters and my mom. It's great. Absolutely. <laughs> It's multi-generational. Well, which menopause education should be. So there, so there you go. Yeah. Absolutely. I've asked you so many questions, and I'm so glad to have this conversation with you guys. And I'm so glad that you're out in the world messaging about it. I'm so glad that my daughters are growing up in a culture mm-hmm. where we are having these conversations. Right. Um, so in my podcast, um, I basically squeeze the sponge of my guests. But you can now ask me a question about anything you want. So Sally, do you want to start? Oh, because I love to cook. I was just going to ask Allie what your latest recipe is or what's your latest dish that you've been cooking? I love that. So this is the latest recipe that I'm sort of obsessed with. And a friend of mine, Jessica Seinfeld, has a cookbook called um, Food Swings. Mm-hmm. And it's tacos, but the tacos are made with sweet potato, cauliflower, and jalapeno. Ooh, that sounds good. You roast those together, and then you have the pickled onions and the guacamole with it. But it's so good, and you don't miss the meat or the chicken, and my kids love it. They're really amazing. Okay. Sounds great. Well, thank you. Yes. Dr. Kapoor, do you have a question for me? So, Ali, you're such an accomplished uh, woman, having done so many great things in life. Uh, Do you have any regrets? Anything you feel like you would have done differently? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Do I have any regrets? I, I... I don't have I don't like to regret because I feel like I am where I am, which is a great place and a husband I love and children I love. And, you know, I I don't want for anything. I'm not sick, but I have two regrets. I think one is these are silly, but I wish I didn't go to acting school after college. Mm. I should have just gone right into the business because I've started to realize more and more that in the world, the art is in the doing. So I learned so much more when I actually worked as an actor than when I was in expensive acting classes with people telling me how to do it. I think it's instinctual. Um, The other regret is I was asked to be part of Saturday Night Live. And I said, no. (laughs) And I said, no, because I had been on another sketch comedy show for a few years. And I just thought like enough sketch comedy. And, you know, I always wonder what would have happened if, you know, maybe would have gone on and done all these big comedic films. And my husband always says, yeah, but we probably wouldn't be married. (laughs) So, you know, 
that kind of stops the regret right there. Yeah. Um, you can still go on the show. I can. I I don't know. I'll have to see if Lauren Michaels, if the offer still stands 25 years later. But it's hard to regret, you know, because life is such a crazy, bizarre, closing doors kind of thing that, um, you know, he's probably right. And I always say to him, you're probably right. I'd probably be married to Brad Pitt. And that would suck. So, <laughs> Yes, it would. <laughs> but that's an excellent question. That's a good I'm one. I'm going to be thinking about this question for a few hours now. But thank you both so much for doing this. And um, oh, thank you. This was fun. And I think I think womanness should be a sweatshirt we all wear all the time. So absolutely. Oh, thanks. Well, we have some. Great. <laughs> It's funny, I remember the story as we were talking a couple of years ago, my agent called me and said, would I be interested in hosting a panel to talk about postmenopausal dry vagina cream? Um, and I hung up <laughs> and I called my agent back and I said, why would I want to do that? Anyway, of course, they paid me money, so I did it. And I was sitting with a bunch of well-known gynecologist in New York City, and they started talking about menopause. And my big lesson was, you know, putting my ego aside or my ageism, that there was so much more information to be mined in this area. And, and I ended up writing down a bunch of notes for myself that day, and I was really, really glad I did it. So check out Sally's amazing company, womanness.com, and take a look at our show notes for many more sources and links to great stuff, like uh, Sally's After Party group on Facebook. And let's all go out there and spread menopositivity. Thank you for listening to Go Ask Allie. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. And follow me on social media, on Twitter at Allie E. Wentworth, and on Instagram at The Real Allie Wentworth. Now, if you want to ask me a question or suggest a guest or a topic to dig into, I'd love to hear from you. And there's a bunch of ways to do it. You can call me or text me at 323-364-6356. Or you can email a voice memo right from your phone to Podcast at gmail.com. If you leave a question, you might hear it on Go Ask Alley. Go Ask Alley is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.